our Old Testament lesson is taken from the prophet Zechariah, chapter 1 and verses 7 and then 12 to 18. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice, he has consecrated his guests. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who rest complacently on their trace. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. Their wealth shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter, the warrior cries aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpets and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon the people that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed, for a full, a terrible end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. May God help us to understand something of his word from that reading. Amen. The Gospel reading today is from Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went on his way. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had only received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled the accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed it over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one with two talents also came forward saying, Master, you have handed over to me two talents. And his master, and see, I have made two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received one talent also came forward, saying, 
Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Holy wisdom and holy words. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Some words from verses 24 and 25 of our gospel reading from today. Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. All of us carry around certain expectations that help us to understand and interpret situations. And that also applies to how we interpret and understand God. Our attitudes can largely be based on our assumptions going way back to our childhood, maybe to what we have been taught either in Sunday school or by our parents. So much so that it then becomes hard to shake off those interpretations as we grow up. When we hear Bible stories, when we hear of the uh, authority figure, no matter what the parable or the story, so often we assume that that character must represent God, whether it's the father of the prodigal son, the owner of the vineyard, the bridegroom at the wedding. And we interpret everything in the light of that assumption. And the parable of the talents has often been interpreted according to this framework. And therefore, it is deemed as a cautionary tale against wasting the gifts or indeed the morals that God has given to each of us. I have also seen this parable, the parable of the talents, misused in that because it references money, that therefore it is a salutary tale about the importance of speculation to accumulation, that this parable is somehow an endorsement of capitalism and greed implicit within it. And certainly the prosperity gospel in the United States of America uh, would be very keen on such an interpretation of this text. The problem is that when Jesus offers us his parables, 
he rarely intends them to just have one meaning. He wants his audience to go away and to imagine themselves in the various characters of the story, to keep on mulling it over, to reflecting, to reimagine who the authority figure was, in this case might actually challenge some of our own assumptions. The parables are intentionally playful. The trouble is, over the years, we have forgotten how to play. We approach the Bible as we were taught in Sunday school and assume that that is sufficient. There's only one interpretation of the parable. There's nothing more to see here. Clearly, we can all just move away. And yet, maybe within this parable, there are some clues which at least would encourage us to look for a re-examination. It might be that when we look at this again, that we realize that all of the other interpretations to us are not satisfactory. But at least, let us consider the alternatives. In recent years, biblical scholars and especially liberation theologians have begun to approach the parable of the talents with other frameworks not least because the slave's description of the master as a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, is, let's be honest, hard to reconcile with a just and loving God. Liberation theologians who read the Gospels in terms of oppression and liberation have read the story as a cautionary tale about how difficult it can be to speak truth to power and how those who stand up to corrupt systems are often unfairly punished. Maybe, rather than seeing the authority figure, the ruler, as a representative of God, maybe we need to look at that figure in another light, as the despot and tyrant of our own age. Maybe we can see things in a slightly new light. There is the storytelling tradition whereby if there are three sets of characters, it's usually the third one who does the right thing. Just think of whenever we have those stories of the Irishman, the Scotsman and the Englishman going into a bar and you kind of get the idea. But in addition, it applies uh, to all of the fairy tales. So the third bear's porridge is just right for Goldilocks. The third billy goat gruff defeats the troll. The third little pig is the one that's the sensible builder. And also in the parables, it is the third passerby who is the good Samaritan. There are three slaves in our story for today. Could it actually be that whilst the third slave receives condemnation from the wicked ruler, that actually it is the ruler who is the harsh man and the other two slaves are merely colluding and aiding the ruler with his barbarism, that actually it is the third slave, ridiculed by the others, who is actually the one who is right? 
we need to have our assumptions challenged all the time to enable us to look at the biblical text new. Maybe we need to remember that the idea of authority that Jesus comes to offer is different than the one we so often assume. After two millennia, we need to remember that Jesus was the one who came and washed the feet of his friends, even if Peter, according to John's gospel, cannot understand that. Many of us are still struggling to get our heads around the idea that God would choose to take the form of a servant, or as the Greek might also be translated, as a slave. So could it be that instead of this parable being about the end of the ages where the ruler is God and we should all use our wealth and skills to create more wealth and more opportunities, that instead this is a parable about how our world is and that it offers a condemnation of our world as it is. In our society, it is the rich and the productive who are praised and lauded. Those who never manage much, those who are deemed as an economic burden, be they rough sleepers, refugees, food bank users, the undeserving poor, those struggling with illnesses and disabilities, they are the ones who are lambasted regularly by the media and politicians in much the same way that the ruler lambasts the third slave in our gospel reading. As far as one interpretation of the parable goes, the third slave is unproductive. He doesn't achieve anything. He is terrified of the authorities. He doesn't cooperate with the ruler who has enslaved him and therefore he will not get any rewards on earth. He is merely punished, supposedly for being feckless and lazy. So he hands back the money that he was entrusted with. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want to owe anything to a man who has forced him to work. He is scared and has every right to be so, but in handing the money back, is he also being defiant? Is he saying to the ruler, I know that you are a harsh, unpleasant, twisted individual, so I refuse to work for you to aid your brutalism? Is the third slave actually an example of how we should live our lives? Is he a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King in terms of his non-cooperation with evil systems and unjust rulers. He stands up to the one who is harsh, to the one who reaps where he does not sow and who gathers where he does not scatter seed. He finds the courage to speak, even when it is scary to do so. And even when he knows that the, power, uh, that the powers that be and the consequences of his defiance might be costly, he still is prepared to speak out. Should we look at this parable in a new light? 
And if we do so, could we also try a similar approach to other stories of Jesus? And maybe we might find in those stories that they might challenge and even disturb us if only we would allow them to do so. Because this parable, maybe it needs to be read in the light of Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. For much of the history of the church, the third slave has been reviled. We have too often uttered all kinds of evil against him falsely, when maybe he is the example of how to be a true Christian. And that for him, as for all the dispossessed, all the defiant ones who stand up to injustice, all the ones who are deemed as worthless and feckless by the powerful and the corrupt, it is for them that their reward will be great in heaven. So this week, may God's Spirit give us the nerve to always challenge our assumptions and be prepared to look afresh at the Bible each day so that we might learn new things from God. This week, may God's Spirit aid us to have the humility to accept that we too often judge those around us, and especially those who are vulnerable and struggling. Maybe we need to grow up. Maybe we need to judge less and love more. And lastly, this week, May God's Spirit grant us the courage we might need, just like the third slave, to defy injustice and oppression and never to count the cost. Amen.